Check one, two. Go! Curious about real estate? Yes! Then you've come to the right place. Get the knowledge you need. Get over the fear and get started. This is the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show with your host, Michael Quarles. Hello, everybody. Michael Quarles with the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. Today's show is pretty cool. I have with me today Ace Chapman. Now, Ace is a former real estate investor. He was a Homevestor franchisee, and he turned his real estate flipping business into a business flipping business, which is just friggin' fantastic. Let's welcome him to the show. Ace, thanks for coming on the show. Tell us about yourself. All right. It's great to be here with you. Um, uh, so I am a business flipper. So a lot of folks that uh, are, are listening in right now are obviously familiar with going out, buying a piece of real estate, you know, maybe making some improvements or even wholesaling and, you know, selling it for a profit. Basically, I've been doing that same thing with businesses for the last 16 years. Uh, kind of stumbled upon my first deal at, at 19 when I was uh, in college. And the, uh, a neat thing is that uh, one of the businesses that I bought was uh, a Homevestor franchise many years later. Um, and, you know, and, and through that experience and owning that business ended up uh, buying and selling over a hundred properties, um, in the, the two years before I sold that business. So from definitely familiar with real estate, uh, and, and, you know, that was a, a fun time to be in it. It was right before 2007. Uh, but basically for the last 16 years, I've been finding deals on businesses and, uh, growing those businesses and selling them. So let me understand this better. You, so I go out and I buy a house. So I find a house from someone who has a motivation to sell it to me. And in most occasions, I'm going to be buying that property at 60 cents on the dollar or less. And then I'm going to what I call wholetailing it, which is I'm not going to do anything to the property. I'm just going to find an end buyer who wants to spend a hundred cents on the dollar and either keep that or rehab that and resell it. Either way is fine with me. I'm just buying it in the as-is value at a percentage of, of value and selling it at the as-is value at 100% of the value. You're doing the same kind of thing in the business world? So we have done a lot of different kinds of deals. We absolutely have done those kinds of deals. The interesting thing is I prefer to buy businesses that are just great businesses uh, and, you know, I'm, many people who do real estate have had those situations where the house doesn't need a lot of rehab. Everything looks great, but there's a situation, you know, there's a health issue or the people have to move and then relocate or there's a divorce. And, you know, there's just some situation that causes that seller to be motivated. So a lot of times what we're doing is we come in, we make that process really easy for the seller. And so that's kind of the extreme case where we may do nothing to that business as far as rehab or, or any of that. We're, like you said, taking the assets value. We're discounting it. We're making it really easy for that seller. We're buying that business from them. And then we're going to take it to market 
be able to take our time, not be in a rush, obviously continue to maintain and manage and, and uh, keep the business operating. But the goal isn't to necessarily come in and make drastic changes. The business is working. It's already profitable. And then we're going to find that seller at the other end. And so there's a lot of things because, as we know, businesses are a, just a, a more complex asset than a house. And so you've got a, this huge spectrum where you may just do a flip like that. You may go into the business and grow it. And then at the opposite end of, of that spectrum, uh, we spend a lot of time in businesses that may be broken. We don't want to buy those deals, but we'll go into that business and act as consultants and we'll take some equity in that business if we feel like, hey, this, this is, we're, we're looking at a ton of deal flow. This has some potential. I think we can grow this business. We're going to take some equity in the business. We're going to come in, get involved, and help grow it, uh, You know, not necessarily using cash or anything, uh, and then we're going to sell that business and get paid for our, our equity or just, you know, get quarterly distributions uh, and have it as a, a passive income. So so that gives you kind of both sides of, of the coin. And then there's a lot of different interesting and, and fun things you can do. If you like deal structuring, this stuff could get, uh, get, uh, get to be a lot of fun. Okay, before we get into deal structuring, because that is a fascinating part of of real estate and it must be a fascinating part of business buying and selling. Yeah, yeah, it is. However, before we can structure a deal, we have to be able to find the deal. Mm. Now, I know in real estate, we can put up a billboard, we can do some radio, we can do some TV, we can do some, in the old days, some newspaper. Uh, we can do direct mail. Well, I love direct mail for everybody listening, yellowletters.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got to have those plugs. We can do yeah, those kinds yeah. of things. So how do you find your deal? So the, it is, it's such an interesting asset because <laughs> you're dealing with an asset where somebody wants to sell the business. They don't want anybody to have any idea that it's for sale. They really don't even want to get into uh, the negotiations with, with anybody when, that, when somebody does find out it's for sale. And so it's, it's almost like this secret thing. And the truth is, what a lot of people don't realize, you go to – um, these online listings, or you look in the newspaper, you look at anything that's public, what that represents in the business market is 20% of the deals that sell. So unlike real estate, where over 75% of the deals are advertised publicly in some way in order for them to sell, in this space, it's literally the opposite. Um, 80% of the deals are never publicly released or talked about. So it's a lot more work to get that deal flow. But the great news is once you do get the deal flow, like we said, they don't want to go out. It's, you know, you're not competing with all the other uh, real estate investors. They don't want to go out and tell anybody else that this thing is available and might be for sale. So we're willing to do the work to get that deal flow. Some of the strategies that uh, we've used is, number one, getting referrals. So it's neat when you go to a party and your network, you're telling people what you do and you tell them that you buy businesses or you're an investor in businesses and uh, they just have never met anybody that does that. It's like, what do you mean you buy businesses? How does that work? And, and that kind of thing. And you take up that mental space in their head uh, just because they, you know, you've got that, that permanent real estate or, or psychic ram uh, as the guy that buys businesses. And so a lot of 
where my deals come from today is literally the the fact that we've I've been doing it for so long and I am the only guy that anybody uh that, that they know that buys businesses. The other thing though is thinking about okay, there are sources that will need to sell these businesses uh based on some of the things I've talked about a second ago. So you take divorce for example. When it comes to um somebody been in a situation where they've got to sell that business, there really aren't a lot of options in, in this space. So it's almost like a godsend. When we reach out to an attorney that may be a divorce attorney and say, hey, you've got a deal where you've got to get rid of a business, be sure to contact us. We'd love to work with you um, and, and possibly buy this deal and make it easy for your clients. The last thing that those folks want to deal with, in addition to the stress of that, is, you know, our health or, or any other thing, it's like, man, what am I going to do with this business? And, you know, we've had some amazing deals come because of that. We uh, were negotiating a deal where we, my client had set up several times to sit down with uh, a seller. The seller kept blowing them off. And we thought, well, this guy must not be motivated at all. And, and we got in touch with the attorney that referred us the deal, said, this guy didn't want to sell the business. He's like stood up my client on three different occasions. And we find out that it's because the client can't bring themselves to go back to the business, hadn't been to the business in over a year, and just refused to go back to the business. And it was a testament to the strength of the business that it was still operating and profitable. They had great employees, but it wasn't going to last like that forever. So we're able to come in and create a win-win situation uh, when we get those deals and deal flow from the right places. I can see that. I, I, I can imagine the emotional stress sometimes of, of what people would go through and how they would not want to visit their business. And you're right. It won't last forever if you don't manage your business correctly. You, yeah. you, you said something that was interesting to me because in my business, buying houses for profit, I I preach a lot of an elevator speech, you know, that meet and greet, this is who I am, this is what I do. You indicated that a lot of your stuff comes from referrals or a lot of your, your, your opportunity comes from referrals, which means you have to meet and greet a lot of people. Do you have a uh, a canned introduction of who you are and what you do that you can share with us? I do. It's really simple because, I, uh, like I said, the, the, it's, it's built around the fact that they've never met anybody else that does what I do. And it's really simple. I'm Ace Chapman. I buy and sell businesses. And that kind of gets people's uh, attention uh, and most of the time leads, especially if it's uh, uh, at the right places. So when it comes to networking, a lot of what you're, you're trying to go is trying to do is go to target rich environments. I mean, nobody wants to be the guy that's like at a social party and they're going around trying to talk about what they do and, and get referrals and, and that kind of thing. But when you do things like going to chamber events or else go to uh, startup events or, um, you know, networking events that are specifically for businesses, meetups. Another one of our great uh, sources is digital marketing consultants and business consultants. So we're going around and we're around those people and tell them what we do. There is a, a, you're, you know you're in the right place when there starts to be a crowd kind of gathering around you as you talk about 
uh, your stories of, of buying and selling businesses. Can we role play for a second? Because it's just fascinating to me. Do you mind? Do you mind? Yeah. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I promise. No. Uh, oh, well, good. Well, put me on the spot. <laughs> okay, good. Because I was about ready to say I was lying. Um, I'm going to role play with you. I, I've met you at the chamber event. And what kind of businesses do you buy? So I bought everything ranging from internet-based stock market simulators to tanning salons. And, you know, a lot of things in between. So I try to focus on helping sellers that need to sell their business quickly as opposed to focusing on a niche or industry. So, well, the reason I was asking is my wife has a manicurist business. Uh, she has 12 stations and she's just tired of managing it. Is that something that you would be interested in? Absolutely. And what I'd love to do is have the opportunity to talk to her and get a little bit of the story of, of you know, how she started the business and uh, got it, gotten it to this point and why she's interested in selling, even before we get into the numbers or, or any of that. Do you, like, pay top dollar or do you try to lowball people on their price? You know, when it comes to businesses, the price is in the eye of the beholder and what they're going to be able to do with that business. So what I can assure you is that I will always pay as much for that business as it's worth to me. Now, she's wanting to sell it as fast as possible. She has some health issues, which is the cause. How fast can you perform? I've bought a business within 15 minutes of walking in the door the very first time. So it could happen really quickly. The more flexible you're willing to be with me, the quicker we can make, we can get a deal closed. Now, do we have to have a broker or realtor involved? No. Um, and, and actually, a lot of times, brokers and, can add a lot of complexity to selling the business. And so if you're in a situation where you want to sell the business quickly, I would encourage you to uh, sell it directly and keep all of those funds yourself as opposed to paying a broker. And how does it, how do we value you? You mentioned that the value is based upon what you think it's worth, but how do we, how do you come up with that number? That's a great question. And we've got a couple different ways that we look at the business based on the assets that are in the business and based on the positive cash flow that's been generated. And then we, we, we figure out what we think we can do in the business and we combine those three factors to come up with a price. And it's a little bit different than a, a lot of the pricing that uh, the way other things are priced because each business is so individual. It's a, it's its own kind of beast. And so it's unlike a car where you can look and say, okay, it's got this many miles, all the other cars that had that many miles and were that year sold at this price, this is the price, or even a house where you can go to the county records and pull exactly what the other houses and, and base it off of that. Each each business has its own price, and, but we use those three factors to come up with what that business is worth to us to buy it. And are you doing terms? Are you doing financing? Um, uh, all of the above. How do you pay for the business? What we'll do when we make you the offer, we'll give you a clear picture of every aspect of the deal. In the typical deal, we're going to have some um, uh, type of, of holdback that you as a seller will hold um, 
as, and when we buy the business. And what that does is it creates a balance between the two of us. Uh, it's not fair for you to give me 100% financing. That's, that wouldn't be fair because you're taking 100% of the risk that I'm going to be able to get in that deal and make it work. But just the same, it's not fair for me to give you 100% of the money up front because it's not fair that I'm going to buy this and, you know, maybe it's not exactly what it was supposed to be. So we'll come up with something where we balance that out, where I'm giving you some cash up front and showing you that I'm serious. You're showing me that the business is real. You've got faith in it, and you've got some seller holdback. Now, we haven't filed taxes for two years. Does that impact your ability to buy the, the, the business? It may impact the price. We do have uh, uh, some ways that we can give it to the business and, and still figure out what's going on, but it's definitely going to extend the, the amount of time that it takes us to get into the deal, do due diligence, and get to the closing table. Okay. What, what, what should I know that I'm not asking? One of the things that I would uh, focus on as, as a seller is, are you going to be able to run this business? What experience do you have running businesses? Uh, you know, how much time are you going to devote to this business? As a business owner, most of the time that, that business is there, it's like a kid to them. You know, the average business owner isn't out there being a deal maker. They've gone into this business, this location, and for 20, 30, you know, literally, I just bought a business from a guy that's 33 years old. And so for them, I mean, this thing is like an adoption. So the, a, a true business owner is, is going to be curious about your history and, and that kind of thing. And then other things like, what about my employees? What are you planning for, for them? What are your plans for the, the business? So that would be something that would definitely normally be a part of the conversation. Yeah, because we hear or we have heard, we've watched movies, they've made movies about people that go in. And I think one of the main movies I'm thinking is Other People's Money, Danny <laughs> yeah, DeVita, <laughs> where, they, where they go in and buy the business and then strip it apart, and the assets of the business separately are worth more than the businesses as a whole. Do you find that in what you do, or are you keeping them, the, the mom-and-pop businesses together? Yeah. For most of these businesses, especially with my strategy, it's to keep the business working as is. I love to buy businesses that are already doing great. They're um, uh, making money. You know, it, it works. And I don't want to get in and, and basically recreate a startup. So if you get in and, and you've got to make changes or you're going in, you're trying to make a, a, a ton of changes just to fit what your vision of the business is, Really, what you what you can end up with is a startup, you know. So what we're trying to buy is something that works because the risk is really low. You know, when I bought this business that's been around for 33 years, it has a level of recognition in the community that uh, you know you'd have to spend a million dollars minimum to have literally everybody in a city know about this business. But he, it's been done because it's just been around for 33 years. So the last thing I want to do is take this business that's working, it's making money, it's going to give me an amazing return based on the multiple that I bought it at and go in and start making a ton of changes. 
Okay. So you're buying into the multiple. And for those of us that don't understand what that implies, explain in your business what a multiplier is. So let's take that one as an example. So that business is making about $90,000 a year. Um, and, you know, tax returns every year is just absolutely perfect. Um, and so we get into that business. It's got managers. It's really passive. And we're, we're buying that business at 190000 So it's basically a little bit more than a two multiple. So that means over the course of two years, I'm going to get 100% of, or pretty close to 100% of my money back. So when you compare that to the average investment, it's like, why would I go in trying to make changes and risk lowering that when compared to, to most things out there, that is an incredible uh, return. So I want to just protect my asset and make sure everybody, you know, employees are happy, everything's going great, nothing needs to be changed. And then basically, I, it's, you know, it's like having a house that, you know, you don't have to make any changes to. It's going to pay for itself in two years. You sell it and get 100% of your money, 100% return. And your core competency must be turning that two-time multiplier into a four or five or six or eight-time multiplier. Yeah. So that's the other part of it is there are some things there, there is low hanging fruit. So the things that I don't uh, try to get into is like the operations of the business where we're good is just marketing. And so we're not going into that business making changes. Only change is going to be bringing more customers or leads. So we'll do a lot of work on the outside and we're going to drive just more traffic, more traffic to uh, every business that we buy. Um, but I don't want to have to go in and make personnel changes or, or operation changes and that kind of thing. The second thing we're going to do to improve that multiple is do what I call roll-ups. So we're going to go out and find other businesses in that industry. You know, about the fact that I've owned five tanning salons. That was a roll-up where we got one, we get the next one, and, you know, ended up with a bunch of them. And what that does is increases the multiple. And, and that's the one place where it literally is like creating money out of thin air, because if you're under a million dollars, your multiple is going to be a certain amount of industry. Let's say it's two. And then you get over that and you attract a different set of buyers. Let, let's, let's go backwards a little bit because I want to make sure everybody understands. Okay. <laughs> when you get, when you're under a million, your multiple is two. When you get over a million, what is the million? I know what a million dollars represents, but what does the million represent in this basis? It is a uh, uh, price. Yeah, that's a great question. So it could be that, you know, you've grown the, uh, if you're buying a business that's making a hundred thousand, then that multiple is going to be two. But let's say you're buying a business that is uh, netting half a million dollars then that multiple, instead of just going and being a million-dollar business, could be three or four. So that half, because it's just a bigger business, somebody's going to be able to come and buy that at once, um, they're going to be willing to pay more for it. And basically, you're, you're able to sell that for maybe 1.5 or $2 million. So what, you're, what you've done effectively is if you get five of those $100,000 businesses, put them together and really, I mean, it has to be kind of, it makes sense <laughs> that you've got a manager of all five and, you know, all of that is, is, is like one business. 
and you, you could literally spend a million dollars doing that and then sell it to somebody else at 1.5. And, and when you buy, you're, you're going for terms, not, not, all, not 100%, um, either way. So you're not giving 100% cash, but you're not getting 100% exactly. financing. When you, when you flip this thing, for lack of better words, being a real estate guy, I understand flipping. When you flip this thing <laughs> to the end uh, entrepreneur, are you financing it for them or are, they, are you making them cash out? No, yeah, I love financing. It allows me to increase my price, so I'm getting an overall increased price. And then I also like to hold equity uh, just because, like I said, like I'm going to drive traffic and, and, and uh, try to grow the business. But I know that at the end of the day, I'm a deal maker and I'm going to go out into the marketplace and be looking for more deals and, and that kind of thing. But what that means is I will I do know that I leave money on the table and I have to be OK with that. And, you know, we had a deal uh, here last year. Well, I sold the business maybe three, four years ago, three or four years ago, was really glad that I kept some equity for a couple of years. And they came back to me, you know, getting a quarterly statement. There was some fine other financing involved. They came back to me a couple of years into the deal like, hey, we want to buy you out. And I should have known, like, you know, there was something going, you know, there was some, some, some reason they wanted to. So they paid me cash, bought my equity out. Uh, and then I ran into him last year. So when I sold this business, it was uh, grossing about 750000 And I felt like, man, there's just no way I bought it at. Uh, I was grossing six hundred, grew it to seven fifty. Man, that's killer. This is, a, you know, uh, great. I can't, there's no way this business could get any bigger. So running to him last year, it's like, hey, how's the business going? It's like, ah, oh, it's pretty good. You know, we, we hit 1.4 last year, and we, we should hit 1.6 this year. I'm like, what? Like, how are y'all doing that in that business? That's not even possible. So the 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 other, I, I, if I could find people that I, I know are just going to be really, in, he goes into that business every day. I don't think I spent one full day in that business the two years that I owned it. I actually, a really, really funny thing to tell you, uh, just, it just happened, you know, I was hanging out with somebody who's become a friend and is working in uh, a business that I own now. And she was saying like, Hey, I, you know, back in the day, that's funny that you used to own that business. I used to work there, but I guess it was with the owners. I was like, what years did you work there? And she was like, you know, getting the years. I was like, I was the owner then. Just like, like, I never saw you. Like, how did I never see you? <laughs> so that, that tells you how these businesses can, can be run. But I know that I'm leaving money on the table. So I want to keep some equity. Right. Actually, I like that business model where you don't have to be inside your business, that it runs, it produces, it pushes off a, an income at the end of the day that you can rely upon. You know, the entrepreneurial role is so much better than the technician and the manager's role. So I get it. I also understand if you're inside of it, you you can make it better or bigger. But I certainly believe in exponential growth. And it sounds like with what you're doing, you can have exponential growth. You can have multiples in business um, and do very, very well. Tell me about your, tell me about your, gosh, this is a horrible question to ask. I apologize in advance. Tell me about your worst experience buying and selling um, businesses. Oh yeah. 
So I, I talked a little bit about that uh, salon roll-up. So we, we had done the several deals, and I had one more that I really had already – I knew who my buyer was. I kind of – I was in negotiations with them, and um, we had went out doing the doing some of the deal flow deal flow stuff that we do, and I um, basically contacted them earlier when we were aggressively buying, and they didn't get back to me till a while later, and wanted to sell, and I didn't really want the business to be quite honest but i'm like hey you know if i get in a rock bottom deal on this thing i'll buy it so i went to um went, we ended up with uh, my investor one of my investors on that deal going to the guy's house he insisted that we came to his house for dinner to give him the offer he didn't want to talk do it over the phone oh he's like offers should be in person blah 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 and so that was probably the first bad idea. So I go to his house, and like I said, this was supposed to be a rock bottom offer. And you know, kind of wrapping up dinner, getting down to business, and I tell him my offer, and just sit there, as we all know, it's kind of a typical negotiation. And he doesn't say anything. I don't say anything. His wife is sitting there. She doesn't say anything. My partner's sitting there, and I noticed that this guy's just turning red with <laughs> furious anger. <laughs> and uh, after a little while, he breaks into a series of expletives and kicks us out of his house, angry, like, how could you insult me and my business? And da, 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 da. kicks us out of the house. We get in the car and my partner's like, ah, you know, I don't think we're going to get that one. I was like, you know what? I don't know. They really want to sell. So, you know, they may come back, but who cares? You know, it's all good. So sure enough, a couple weeks later, we're further into our negotiations to sell the whole package. And they come back again, and the wife apologizes for the husband. And she says, um, you know, just really sorry. You know, he flipped out. We're willing to take the offer. And this is where I made the mistake. <laughs> I decided to go even lower. Oh. <laughs> and part of this was the fact that I was 25. You know, I was like ego and like, oh, well, you know, we're going even lower now. So I, I go even lower. Um, and surprisingly, they did come back pretty quickly to say, okay, we're going to sell it to you. And what basically ended up happening is we got into that business. They quickly, and right after we closed, uh, contacted all the customers and basically let everybody know that uh, the new owner, Ace Chapman, was the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> well, they should, they should definitely find another place to, to do business. <laughs> I imagine you learned a couple things from that experience. <laughs> I did. I did. It was, uh, I, I learned a lot and glad that. You know, before I started helping other people do what I do, I, I went through those bumps and bruises and uh, can, can kind of warn people like, hey, this is, this is what, what can happen. And so we, we, now we have a negotiation practice process that we, you know, we really try to build a positive relationship and make sure that both parties are, are in the thing win-win. You know, your comment about them going to all their, their customer base, you know, it leads me to the, the question and – were there in today's market when you do it today do you do ndas 
Do you um, do you do non competes? Do you make sure that the that your seller can't come come back to you after they sell you their business and sabotage the business? Yeah, yeah. So and and you know the truth is that stuff is very very tough to enforce. The the most powerful uh, thing is is number one making sure that uh, there's a good amount of seller financing. You know, one of the things is that I had negotiated the price down so far. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just write a check for it. So I, I, that was a, a big part of that mistake. They didn't have anything. Uh, and, and actually, there was, there was a very small amount that, you know, was hold back or whatever that they basically were willing to walk away from. So nothing so for them to small. lose. So they could just they could talk some trash because it wasn't yeah. going to harm them much. Yeah. Yeah, so they were they, they were willing to give up that bit of money just to make sure that I suffered. <laughs> so that you know that that was a couple of of those lessons. Now, if you don't mind sharing, and of course it's really hard to share sometimes when we we do well in life. But I, I'm certain that I have people listening right now who are real estate investors going, "Man, here's a guy that was a real estate investor." In fact, a home investor franchisee, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And now he's turned his business from buying and flipping houses into buying and flipping businesses. Mm-hmm. Now, in the investment business, in, in, in our real estate investment business, you know, a wholesaler, if they see five to 10,000, they're typically happy. A wholesaler, if they see, you know, 30,000, they're typically happy. A, a rehab flipper, if they see 50,000, they're typically happy. And it takes a lot of a lot of work to get that done and and do those things and learn how to do that in your business of buying house um, businesses and flipping those businesses. What's what's your best return? If you can share, if you don't, if, and however you want to answer that, I know it's an open ended. Yeah, maybe tough. I don't want to share all of that answer, Mike, with you. But give us a little bit of like make us salivate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So there's a different, like, you know, especially from some of the stuff I was doing when I was a lot more active and, and flipping and, and that kind of thing, where I was just getting a deal, trying to find a buyer, and then selling it with, within a matter of months. You know, I mean, the six-month whole time was a longer period of time. For those kind of deals, you know, typically 20000 was was great. Now, though, everything is, is, is sold when we completely pay it off. Um, so, uh, you know, most recently we had a deal. We had bought the business. It was a $220,000 business. Um, you know, I actually had a partner that was operating the business. I actually got another one on the market right now. But, you know, had a partner on, on that deal. We actually, he was able to grow that business. We ended up paying it off in uh, right at eight, 19 months. Um, and ended up putting it back on the market for three forty five and we did fifty percent financing. Um so that was a deal where in 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 the fifty percent, fifteen percent of that is equity and then the rest of it is a loan and he paid that up front. So those checks are nice because, you know, like that's um, you know, you're getting hundred grand just uh written to you at closing. Uh, but the other really nice thing is that long-term income. So, right. you know, on that deal, in a matter of 19 months, you know, we made 345000 total uh, with a, a, a nice six-figure payday at closing. 
And I imagine you also had or could have had an income stream during the period of that time while you own the prop while you own the business. Yeah, yeah. So the way that I normally calculate it is I'm just considering that getting all of my money back. So I'm I'm making that income. Right. Um, but you know, I could say, oh well it was this amount. We made, you know, uh uh two hundred fifty thousand over the course of the two years. But the truth is that's my money coming back. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So right. the gross amount made on the deal would be closer to six hundred thousand, but really two hundred fifty of it was just my was really my money. Gotcha. I understand. Okay. But a lot of people do. You know, that's the same in real estate. A lot of people are like, oh, I made this much of this. Like, yeah, but you know, you're really paying off the the asset itself. Right. How does I, I you you've shared with us kind of how you got into it? But how does how does a, a someone who's flipping houses now get into the flipping business. If they wanted to say, Hey Mike, you know, cause I coach a lot of students and they go, I don't want to, I don't want you to coach me anymore. I want to go do what he does. How do they do that? Um, so we do have a, a program because it, it, it can be a little bit tough. Obviously you can go out and I'm sure there are a lot of real estate investors that have done this in real estate and you just go and you start negotiating, find deals and, and do it. If you have somebody that's, that's mentoring you or, or holding your hand, it goes quicker. It's, it's the only thing that happens. Uh, so you can still figure this stuff out, going out and just looking at deals. We've got a process that we take people through. It's basically the only way that I'm really willing to work with folks is a year long program because we, I just, there's, this is a very complex asset. And, you know, I get calls from people all the time that, you know, like, oh, you know, I just bought this business. I spent 200000 on it, and it went to nothing. It was like, okay, well, tell me about your due diligence process. It's like, well, I'm just kind of going with my gut. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't trust our gut to go to the grocery store and buy the right stuff. Like, we need a specific list. <laughs> like, don't trust your gut with this stuff. So it's, it's more complex uh, because you can literally buy something and it goes to zero, whereas with a house, it, you you know it's going to be sure. something even if the thing burns down without insurance you've got some land uh, so it, you want to be careful as as you do it and it's one of the reasons nobody ever talks about this stuff um, is is because of that it's it's not just oh I'm just going to go and play around and, and dabble in it right yeah and it seems it's it from the outsider's perspective and. If this sounds horrible, I apologize to you, but it almost seems a little scary. It's, yeah, that's what I'm like. I, I, t- I do not try to get people like pumped up and, oh, I'm just going to go out and this is make a, you know, make a million dollars doing this. Uh, if you, um, it's easy and hard at the same time. The easy part is if you know what you're doing, there's literally no competition. Like I remember back in the day with the Homevestor franchise, you know, it was just like other investors we had to compete with. It got other just regular buyers. Um, you know, it, it was just a more competitive thing. So the the risk is lower because you've got an asset that's going to pay for itself in two years. So the time frame is really low. But the the biggest risk is is the knowledge. So you gotta you gotta know what you're what what you're doing and what you're looking for 
But once you get a deal, just like those people who absolutely hated me, but still came back to me because they don't know how to find buyers and negotiate right. deals and, and all that. Um, it's, you can, if you know what to look for, you can get some really amazing deals. And the other neat thing, even about that one, we, I was still able to break even just on equipment. So the, we ended up, um, basically telling the other, the people we were selling the other slides, like, Hey, we're going to shut this down. We've got all this equipment and we'll basically just bump up the price in your deal. And then you'll have all this extra equipment ready. If something breaks down or whatever, you, you've got this ready to go. So even in that situation, if you're buying, if you do buy it right, it, it really didn't matter um, that they, they pull in, in the end. Gotcha. Besides some headache for me. Is there a way for people um, to, to contact you? So the best way to get in touch with me is just shoot an email, ace at acechapman.com. You got random questions, whatever, I'm accessible. Um, and then I'm on Twitter uh, at Ace Chapman. Okay. And we'll we'll put all your contact information on our site as well. This has been fun. This I, it, I, I thought I was going to talk to a real estate guy, and I really did talk to a real estate guy, but it's a, <laughs> a whole different <laughs> gamut of real estate, and it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of cool. You know, it's a, it always amazes me when we really look at real estate from a how big it is, you know, all the things, mm-hmm. that, you know, it encompasses from, you know, the real estate of the Internet to the real estate of business to mm-hmm. the real property. You know, what is real estate? Well, it's it's a pretty vast industry if we look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed the time with you. You've been a, you've been a blast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Well, I hope you like that, guys and gals. That was a blast. I learned a lot from that. The idea that you can do what we're doing as real estate buyers and sellers, that you can do that in the business arena and have very, very limited competition is very attractive to me. One of my takeaways from it was that that he's getting seller financing. He's not getting 100% seller financing, and he's not putting 100% of his dollar into the, into the play. And he's buying businesses that things not wrong with them. So it's a little different than what we do. You know, we, sometimes we buy houses that are falling down. He doesn't want to buy a business that's falling down. He wants to buy a business that's very stable. He just has a seller or a business owner. They may be falling down kind of thing. And then he's going to buy it at a price point, do some marketing to get the sales increased a little bit. And then at the end of the day, turn around and resell it. I just think that's pretty fascinating. And again, I like the idea that it doesn't, there's not a big peer group. There's not the National Association of Realtors, you know, who are, who are saying, you know, list your house with a realtor. There's not, you know, the home investor franchisees that are saying, hey, sell the house to us. There's not all these online services that are saying, you know, sell me your house. It's him. And I'm sure there's other people like him. But if you think about it, man, if, if that sounds like something you'd want to do, I'd give Ace a, a call and have a conversation because this sounds really, really, really intriguing. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, We have another one coming. We're going to do several of these, along with, of course, our daily podcasts. 
So uh, my goal here is to educate everybody as much as I can about the, the world of real estate. And like I said on the show, when we look at real estate, we have to look at it larger than the piece of property or a piece of property. We, you know, it, is, it, is, it encompasses a lot of things. Keep tuning in and you just never know what we're going to talk about. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. Get more info and stay in touch at michaelquarles.com.